Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan, where I work as a paralegal at Running Wise and Ford. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor and publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com. And I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host, Lynn DeVenning. Thank you, Vicki. Your e-zine is one of the highlights of my week. I am a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal employed by Elliot Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My boss and I co-authored a textbook together, Workers' Compensation Practice for Paralegals, and I'm pleased to say that it's in its first reprinting. I'm probably best known for my blog for paralegals and anybody else in the legal profession that finds it interesting, practicalparalegalism.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics that are important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that we think you'll find helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. We'll also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. On today's show, we will focus on paralegals who work in the area of intellectual property, one of the fastest growing areas of the law. The paralegals with us today both work in Minneapolis. Our first guest is Colleen Sarampa, Director of Trademarks for Polaroid Corporation and Director of Trademarks for Polaroid at PLR Brand Services, LLC. Prior to working at Polaroid, Colleen was both a Senior Trademark Specialist with the Minneapolis Law Firm and spent 23 years at General Mills Incorporated. She holds an Associates in Applied Science and Paralegal Studies, as well as a BA in Organizational Studies from Bethel University. Colleen developed and taught the trademark class in the post-baccalaureate paralegal program at the Minnesota Paralegal Institute. She's an active member of the International Trademark Association and is a past member of their board of directors. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you. I'm excited to share perspectives with the listeners. We're looking forward to it. Also with us is Gwen D. Spurrier, a paralegal with the Minneapolis law firm of Gray Plant Moody. She has extensive experience in all aspects of intellectual property law, both domestic and international, with a focus in the trademark area. She has an associate degree in paralegal studies, as well as a BA in marketing management from Concordia University. Gwen has shared her love of trademark law in the classroom as an instructor of basic trademark law in an ABA-approved paralegal program. She is also active with the International Trademark Association and served as a co-chair of the IP section of the Minnesota Paralegal Association for over 10 years. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, Gwen. Thank you, Lynn and Vicki. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to start with a question for both of you. Um, Gwen, can you tell us a little bit about your career path? how you became involved with the area of intellectual property? I would say that my path is more of a uh, series of detours. My first four decades were spent in what I like to refer to as dabbling. I dabbled in college. I dabbled in sales. I dabbled in office work, lots of volunteering. 
And in between all that time, I dabbled in managing a house full of uh, four daughters and numerous pets. What um, what got me into the IP field was at the age of 40, I had the um, the humiliation of going to a going back to work full time and found that the best I could do was an entry level job at an IP firm. It happened to be the very best thing that could happen to me because I really learned the basics of all areas of IP. The training was invaluable, and I finally figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. I went back to school, got my uh, paralegal certificate, I got my bachelor's, and I have just continued to be a sponge as far as anything related to intellectual property and trademarks in particular. That's and a great that's, story. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've done. My story isn't is, is a little bit different than Gwen's, but not all that different. Um, I definitely um, ended up working in the area quite by accident uh, in 1974 when I was trying to decide what to do as a career. Um, I knew I wanted to work in the business world. I went to the Minnesota School of Business and completed the legal secretarial program, figuring that getting into the legal field would give it a little bit more of an interesting twist. I then got a job in the legal department of General Mills working for the Senior Trademark Council, and I really loved the area. To me, it was the best of both worlds. It's where legal and marketing meet. And it's also nice to know that if you work in legal, you can actually think with both sides of the brain. After uh, five years of holding the secretarial position and going back to school to get my two-year degree in paralegal studies, I was then promoted to a paralegal position. And since then, I have gone back and gotten my four-year degree. Similar to Gwen, we've kind of muddling through in our um, not-typical college years. I was lucky to work for someone who was a good mentor, who promoted me at work, and got me involved with the International Trademark Association. And from there, I was motivated to always push myself beyond my own expectations, including leaving General Mills after um, 23 years to gain new and different experiences in the area of trademark law. And I really took the plunge when I went from working in-house to working in a firm. But now that I'm back in-house, that was a great experience. Because actually part of my job is managing outside counsel. So I do have an understanding of what that is like, including how billing works. One of the more challenging experiences I've had is teaching, which evolved from my involvement as education on two different education committees, one for the Minnesota Paralegal Association and one for the International Trademark Association. And if you really want to know what you don't know, just teach. Because for sure, that's where you uh, learn a lot of different things and how to explain things. And every day, there are new developments in technology and new opportunities for cutting-edge legal work in the world of intellectual property, particularly since my focus is trademarks. I can really only speak to that more so. So it's never been boring. I have to tell you that if it's any comfort, I think we all muddle along for a while before we finally hit our stride. So I, I love both of your stories. Now, Colleen, could you just briefly explain to our listeners what intellectual property is and the sub-areas that make up intellectual property law? Okay, I will try, although brief is not always in my vocabulary. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, intellectual property law concerns rights of ownership of non-tangible creations and ideas rather than things. It is called intellectual property or abbreviated IP because it protects creative work that emanates from the mind. 
The difference between this property and real property is that you can't bolt it down. So it's a little bit abstract to a lot of people. The sub areas of within IP are copyright, patent, trade secrets, and trademarks. And briefly, copyrights are original works of authorship or artistic creation that are fixed in a tangible form. For example, a song, a photo, a poem. The term of rights can vary, lasting the lifetime of the author plus 50 years or up to 100 years in other circumstances. The typical symbol that you see uh, for a copyright is the C within a circle and then the year and the, the company or the owner of that copyright. Patents have to do with the protection of novel inventions such as machines, formulas, or process for making useful articles or an improvement to an existing invention. The term of rights can vary from 14 to 20 years, depending on the type of patent. And the typical symbol or acknowledgement of patent protection is the verbiage of patent pending or perhaps the registration number for the patent listed. Trade secrets is really confidential business or technical information. And the term of rights can last forever, provided the secret is maintained. And last, the trademark area. It's an, a trademark is an identifier of source and quality for the products or services they identify. These single source identifiers can be a word or a design or sometimes even sounds, shapes, or color. Color example might be the Pink Panther or the Pink Insulation. Sound might be the NBC chimes. Other words for trademarks are brand, logo, or tagline. The intent of trademarks is to protect the public so that they can use trademarks to distinguish amongst goods or services based on the experience that person has had. And for the trademark owner, the advantage is that they have the right to prevent others from using a confusingly similar mark on same or similar goods. And the two symbols that you typically see to identify a trademark is either the TM to just announce to the world that it is a trademark, don't need to have an application or anything filed, and the R in a circle is only if you have a federal registration. And that's my nutshell explanation of the four different areas. No, I think this is fascinating. I could talk about it all day. Uh, but it <laughs> seems like both of you guys focus in the area of trademarks. Gwen, could you tell us a little bit about the responsibilities or typical responsibilities of a trademark paralegal? I'm glad you said typical because um, the, the responsibilities for a trademark pa paralegal can vary uh, quite a bit depending on the particular job itself, um, the attorneys that they work with. But generally, um, a typical trademark paralegal will be responsible for conducting preliminary clearance searches for proposed new trademarks for clients, uh, preparing and filing applications, and ensuring that everything in the application is correct and accurate. That's very important. Managing a docket because we have so many deadlines that are unforgiving and their job is to ensure that no deadlines are missed, uh, keeping clients updated on the status of their applications so that you have an informed client rather than a surprised or translated unhappy client, um, filing the appropriate documents that are required to maintain those trademarks after they're registered, knowledge of international trademark filing options. There's a number of... Um, there's a number of options that are available to trademark owners today, and generally being a resource for clients in regard to all things trademarks, such as acceptable trademark use, proper marking, 
as um, Colleen mentioned, or um, international filing strategies, policing, licensing, and and so on. That sounds difficult to me. So what I'd like to know is uh, what special skills a paralegal needs to work in IP. Are they any different from, uh, you know, the, the skills that you have in, in other jobs? I, I'd like for Colleen to answer that. Okay. Um, I would say that it, I think paralegal skills carry into many areas of law. Um, one thing I think in, in the area of, of trademarks is that you can't be a linear thinker. You can't see if if all you see things are as black and white, it, it's pretty difficult. It's a very very subjective and very gray area. All areas of law are gray, but I would say that this is the darkest of grays. Um, um, also, some other skills that are, are good to have is is knowing the rules and the laws is is really vital. And because we are international. There's a lot of um, rules and laws to be familiar with. Obviously, not experts in those areas uh, in, for every country because we rely on our foreign counsel for that. But, for example, in recent years, there has been a lot of chatter regarding fraud on the trademark office, even if that fraud, quote-unquote, is unintentional. And this is an example of just how aware you need to be about the law and procedures, even for tasks that are seemingly easy. Um, because what seeming is seemingly easy could result in some sort of a, a fraud. You also need people skills and, and some training in how to manage people. It's not unusual to have to bring them to the table and uh, to believe in a process, even though it's contrary to what they want to believe, particularly in the area of trademarks when you work with marketing people. the uh, You are telling them possibly that something that they created is not going to work. And nobody likes to hear that when you think you've just created something that's, you know, going to be the greatest thing since um, the Nike swoosh or uh, Coke. You need to also set up checks and balances uh, and don't be the key keeper. It's, it's because there's so many deadlines involved in the area of, of trademarks and various systems that you have to have in place. You really need to be able to make sure that there is another person or other people that would be able to connect the dots if for some reason you just weren't around anymore. And certainly good judgment. Got to know the issues and know when something arises to the level where an attorney needs to be brought in. Um, that's critical and that would be applicable to any, no matter what area of law that you practice in. And you also need to know how to tap into that authority and go to the people that you need the backup from, and especially when you think a client is backing you into a corner. Other things are self-starter, ability to prioritize, attention to detail, and certainly able to um, multitask. And for the very reasons of all the things that Gwen explained, you need to be organized. It's time to take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Colleen Sarempa and Gwen Spurrier. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. 
That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and our guests today are Colleen Sarampa and Gwen Spurrier. I think both of you guys are really interesting. Um, we'd like to ask you, and starting with Gwen, what is the biggest challenge you find working in the area of trademarks? I think that the biggest challenge, aside from the billing that I have with the law firm, is the constant education of the client on what a trademark is, what makes a strong trademark, and what is acceptable trademark use. Uh, most of my clients are in the marketing area, and they want a trademark that will sell their product. In other words, describe the product. From our standpoint, a descriptive trademark is hard to protect, and so we try to steer them towards a stronger trademark that will, down the road, give them more value, but on the other hand, now will take a little bit more time and money to educate the public on that product. And in working with marketing departments and the turnovers, it's just a constant education. That's the biggest challenge. Okay. Now, Colleen, you work in a corporation. Are your challenges uh, any different from Gwen's? No, I'm sitting here chuckling, thinking that's exactly the first thing that came to my mind was um, the constant education, and particularly about misperceptions on on trademarks. Uh, an example that comes to my mind would be the perception that there that for there to be infringement, the two trademarks at issue need to be identical, and we often will hear. But our mark is spelled differently, or we've changed a letter as arguments that two marks should not create confusion. And uh, this just isn't true. There needs to just be a likelihood of confusion. And unfortunately, no two cases are alike, and this is where a lot of that subjectivity and very gray area comes into to play um, uh, just to make a little bit of a point on this. There was a recent case in the Minneapolis paper where... Uh, General Mills uh, uh, pursued uh, in a, a case where somebody opened a small bakery under the brand Dough Girl, and General Mills owns the Pillsbury brand and the Pillsbury Doughboy. And uh, the feedback on some of the commentary was just kind of a, that that whole backlash of of people just thinking this is ridiculous. Um, it's getting out of hand, and why should they be able to have exclusivity to the, these words? And um, in trying to explain that to people, it gets very difficult. So those are some of the things that we deal with day in and day out. And um, it's not always fair, but it's just the way it is. And the trick in these situations on, on any of these educational moments with the client is to always work as a team player with them to see... What can we do to to tweak what you have and still make the essence of what you want happen? Real quick, I, I know that a lot of our listeners are going to want to know at least the short answer to this question, um, and I'm going to direct it to Gwen. What is the best way for a paralegal who's interested in getting into intellectual property to get into the field? Would it be getting an entry-level job like you guys did? Um, when I was looking at this, my first my the two words popped into my head, and it's luck and networking. Um, yes, entry-level position is is good, but when I was teaching, the one thing that I really stress to paralegals is when you go into a position, look to see what your ability to learn is there. You can have an ex the same experience for five years, or you can have a lot of experience in one year. 
it's very important that whatever position you take, you have a mentor, you have someone that you can learn from because in this business, it's learning. And in that regard, you have to take charge of your own, your own learning, self-learning. You can go online. The USPTO Gov is, is, is getting better all the time with providing you with, with uh, information. The INTA website is also another wealth of information. Um, going to the particular IP sectionals for your state um, paralegal associations or the state bar associations, anything that relates to the IP area that you want to be uh, involved in. And then look for those people that are in it and become a friend, become, you know, contact them. That's how I met Colleen. I got mm-hmm. into this business late, and she was someone that I thought, I want to learn from her, and I did. I learned a lot. So it's, oh. uh, it's, it's taking charge of your own destiny, I guess, is the best way to put it. Right, right. Should we give those um, websites? It's uh, USPTO, that stands for the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov, and then INTA.org. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I think that working in IP sounds really challenging because you're, you know, you're always on the cutting edge of technology and, um, you know, there's, it's just kind of dynamic because it's always changing. One thing I want to add here, though, is that NALA does offer an advanced paralegal certificate in trademarks that is, uh, it's available to all paralegals, whether they're, they're seeking the advanced certificate or not. And that course discusses details, um, it, Details all the steps in procuring and policing and defending a trademark, and also uh, includes a you know a review of the law and that kind of thing. So that's another opportunity for professional growth, just as Gwen was talking about, and it's something that you know every paralegal who wants to, who's looking for advancement or a change in employment, um, should look at. And more information is available at NALA N A L A dot org. And for our listeners, I will be sure to include all these links in the show notes so that um, you'll, be, you'll be able to have everything that our, our wonderful guests talked about today. Uh, if you do have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. Colleen, if our listeners would like more information on today's topic, how can they reach you? I, we could probably put in within, within there um, the link to my email address. Is okay, that, terri- is that terrific. Would that work? And also, um, I just wanted to mention, too, that if anybody um, wants to just learn general overview of the area, I, I do have a publication that's called Trademark Smarts, and we could put a link in there as well. Super. Uh, Gwen, how about you? Um, can people reach you through LinkedIn or an yes. email address? Um, Great. They can reach me through LinkedIn, or they can, um, my email address, if you want to put that as a link in uh your site, that's fine. Okay. We'll put those email addresses in the um, in the show notes. How's that, Lynn? That sounds great. That's okay. awesome. Okay, great. Uh, you guys were both terrific. Um, we're going to take another short break and come back with some paralegal news and announcements, and we'll be right back. Introducing Westlaw Deposition Services 
Our team will arrange the deposition logistics for you anywhere in the world. Our court reporters are certified live note reporters, making them the very best real-time reporters available. Our professional video production team produces trial-ready video, digitized and synced to the transcript. Experience the Westlaw Deposition Services difference so you can focus on the essential aspects of your work. To schedule a deposition, call 1-800-548-3668 or visit westlawdepositions.com. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time in our show when I provide a practice tip and Lynn gives our listeners a, a social media tip. My practice tip for today kind of springs from our discussion regarding paralegals that might want to transition into the uh, into the intellectual property area, but it applies to all paralegals that want to move to another area of the law but don't necessarily want to leave their current employer, and I, I hear from them all the time, and the best advice I can give them is to take courses like such as those that we mentioned today and also express an interest in working in that new area, perhaps taking on some of the work very slowly, even if you have to do that on your own time. And also when you attend seminars and conventions, be sure to do like Gwen said and network with paralegals that work in the area you're interested in to see what tips they might have for you. In other words, just as Gwen said, look for resources that will help you make that change and reach your goal. Take charge of your own destiny. And Lynn, what's your social media tip for today? Well, I'm going to add to what you just said. Um, Never stop learning. Um, Being a paralegal is 24-7. I'm going to talk briefly about blogging, and that's B-L-A-W-G-I-N-G for legal blogs, because that's the question I'm asked the most by paralegals, lawyers, vendors, and associations. How do I start a blog? Start with thinking about your willingness to make a commitment to a project that's a little like a toddler, fun, but very demanding of your attention. Are you willing to make that commitment? Give yourself a test run by writing proposed content or practice posts for a couple of weeks. This will help you figure out your voice and your theme and will provide your initial content if you decide to take the next step, which I'll talk about in the next Paralegal Voice podcast. That's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Lynn Devaney. And this is Vicki Voison thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. 
Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.